What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Knowledge Boner Experience. We have a very, very special episode today. Uh, I'm your host, Dylan Starr. I got my co-host, Wally Wynn, as usual. Wally, how's it going, brother? Going awesome, guys. We have a special episode. It's really, really going to be exciting. It's going to learn a lot. I have some burning questions for this man. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, me, absolutely. If you're brand new to this podcast, we are over 100 episodes now. Um, if you've never heard of us before, welcome. You know, the whole premise of this show, right, if you're, you're trying to be an aspiring entrepreneur, is to give you those aha light bulb moments, to give you, give you the, the, that time where it just clicks in your brain to where you understand something, you can take action on something, you can go and, and grow your business or just take control of your life. That's what this show is all about, delivering you those aha knowledge boner moments. And in terms of getting that knowledge today, uh, we have a very special guest. I mean, uh, done over a million dollars per sale uh, per year, actually, in five different industries before the age of 30, featured by the White House as a top 100 entrepreneur, author of the best-selling book, Higher Status. Ladies and gentlemen, I bring to you the high-status legend himself, Jason Capital. Jason, welcome, man. We're happy to have you, brother. Guys, I am really, really glad to be here. Uh, really, really like the, the name of your podcast. I just want to point that out because I've been on quite a few. But I just want to say I think you guys have the best name for a podcast I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, we, we appreciate that. And um, so for those that have been tuning and listening in, you guys know months ago, we, me and Wally actually came from the High Status Summit HSS, which, by the way, Jason, I have to – give you kudos and congratulations as somebody that has been to a lot of fucking events bro like you literally blew my mind the attention to detail and and the just the 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 atmosphere and the energy that you put into this event and what was even more crazy is i know you're in puerto rico now so you not only still hosted this event but you were packing and and transitioning and moving like you know tell us a little bit about that (laughs) Uh, yeah, man, it's, you know, I've been doing the high status summit now this, that was, uh, the, the fourth year that we have done it and it gets better every year. And, and, uh, I really, you know, the fact that you were noticing the attention to detail, I'm curious if you can tell me later, what were the specific things you saw that let you know that, wow, this guy paid, or this team pays a lot of attention to detail, but, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it, I, it's the, the one big event I do every year where I invite all of my clients, all my fans, all my customers to come in. And it's just, to me, it's like a three-day rock concert. Um, it's almost as if, if you took Russell Brunson and Tony Robbins and then you put them in a blender, right? And then you threw in a bunch of swear words in there and, and you pour it into a glass, right? Like that's, that's what my event is. Mm. Um, and, and this year, was, it was just amazing to me. I don't, know, I don't know what your favorite part was, but what's always cool about it to me, really it's always a challenge for me, is I'm, obviously I have, you know, I have multiple presentations that I'm giving. Um, I'm constantly checking what's working, what's not, how are we doing on sales? How's the experience for everyone here? You know, are we getting the video testimonials we wanted to get? Are we, are we getting all this stuff? And then at the same time, I invite my, my closest friends who I think are just true titans of their own industries and in their own lives. And I invite them to speak and I'm doing all that. And I want to, like, I'm a student for life, man. Like I want to sit in the fucking audience and I want to listen to them talk and I never get the opportunity to. Mm. Um, but this year we had Dan Pena come in. And I told my whole team before, I was like, when Pena is on stage, don't talk to me. Don't call. Like, I am, I am in the audience like everyone else. And I don't know if anyone noticed, but 
um, you know, I was all the way in the back row when Pena was on and I was sitting there taking notes, taking it in just like everyone else. Um, and I think, I think that's what's so cool. I always thought about when I was younger, like, I, I don't know how many marketing events you guys have gone to, but when I was just starting my online marketing career, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, I was going to marketing events constantly across the country. And I always, there are things I liked, there's things I got from it, but I found that as they went on, I would spend a lot more time in the hallway than I did in the room. And that's where a lot more value was. And I always thought to myself, what could these people have done with this event to make it better for, for me or better for the audience? And I always knew if I was going to throw events one day, I was going to try and encompass all of those things. And we're certainly not perfect, but I think every year we, we kazen it and we get a little bit better at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and I think honestly, what, what it was for me is, you know, we, we talk a lot about in the industry, uh, a no brainer, irresistible offer. And when, when I saw it for HSS, I mean, the, the, the lineup of the speakers that you had for this event, and I mean, the, the low barrier of entry, no brainer cost. I mean, the level of irresistibility was it was there, but what, what really fascinated me when I was sitting in the audience at the event was when you, when you pointed out like, guys, not only am I giving you this value, but I'm not paying a single person here to speak. And when you said that, like the only thing going into my mind was like, holy shit, like how? Yeah, like, like not only, what kind of skills does it take? Because I mean, you're talking, you're talking like like networking, right? You're talking sales, you're talking persuasion, right? Just encompassing all these different things. So kind of just, you know, take us through that. And, and like, how did you pull something amazing like that off? So yeah, I mean, I, I remember that exact moment. I think it was on day one when I shared that with everyone, because I was talking about Pena, right? And I was talking about how I, like literally this man is flying here on his own dime from Scotland to Los Angeles, he's putting himself up. He's, you know, he's, he's paying for all of this. And then he's not even, there's no fee for him to, to speak for not one hour, but two hours. And then he's going to say, I have some new Q and A and take, I mean, the man, I don't know if you guys saw the line to take pictures with Dan Pena after he got off stage, but it was, that, that was like, there was probably 600 people waiting in a line to take picture with him after, which is, you know, 70% of the entire audience. Uh, so the way, the way that all those people end up in that, in that room, if, if I'm going to be perfectly honest, is I think it's just, I think it comes down to two things. I think it comes down to one, which is something that one of my first personal, personal development mentors ever taught me. And he was a virtual guy named Jim Rohn. I never met him in person, but I've certainly listened to his stuff a lot. And he used to constantly reinforce and reiterate this idea that success is not something you get by the things you do. It's something you attract by the person you become. And that you know, I heard that at 20 or 21, 22, that like, it really got deep into me that I need to make myself more valuable every single day. I need to work my personal value every day. Now, what does that look like for me? It works on and working on my high income skills, my copy, my closing, my speaking, it works on my branding, my social media, um, you know, increasing the size of my audience, right? Like all of those things that go into increasing your own personal value in, in your reputation, in your own marketplace. And I think that's the first one. And then I think the second one um, is simply cultivating those relationships with those people. And, and the reason I'm going to say that the increasing your personal value comes first is because, like, how do I get a Dan Pena or a Caleb O'Dowd or a Bedros Koulian, you know, or all these different guys who come and speak for free? How does that happen? Well, you know, I'm not going to be able to become friends with them or build a relationship with them in the first place unless they see me as valuable already. Right. People are, are motivated by self-interest. That's like everyone just needs to accept that that's part of the game. Um, and, you know, someone like that, like like Bedros, for instance. Right. Well, I've known Bedros for nine years now. We first met at a marketing event. It's another reason why people need to get off their ass and go to events like these. But I met him in the 
San Diego Hard Rock Lobby at List Control, which is a Frank Kern event in like 2010, like nine years ago. And I met him because I was talking to Craig Ballantyne in the lobby and Craig and Bedros were friends. I was talking to Craig in the first place because I had recently launched my own online business and I was making six figures for my dorm room at the time, right? So I worked on my skills and I had a little successful business back then, which voila, I have more value in the eyes of others. So Craig reaches out to me. Now Craig wants to be friends with me. Now I'm talking to Craig and Craig sees Bedros. Craig goes, hey Bedros, you met Jason, Jason meet Bedros. Then me and Bedros become friends from there. Like. It, you, you, like, you're not going like, no one's going to trick their way into be, in networking or becoming friends with successful people. It's not going to happen. You have to be successful yourself first. Like that, that, that has to come first. So once that happens, then the networking part becomes easy because your, your reputation will precede you. Your, your value will open doors for you. And once the doors are open, um, you know, once you have those relationships, then it just comes about leading with the giving hand. Right. So when I meet people or when I'm connected with people, I'm never thinking about how can I get something from them? I, I, I never at any point do I ever wonder how can I get something from this person or how can I, you know, when, when can I ask, when can I, I never think about that stuff. I'm always, how can I add more value? How can I give more value? How can I give more value here? Um, knowing that in, if it ever happens that I need something because I've deposited so many times into the goodwill bank that it won't be an issue when I ask. And most people, when I ask, they say, yeah. So I'm always like, giving to my friends, to a Bedros or a Craig or a, or a Joel Marion or a Caleb or, you know, a Dan Pena or, or Dan Locke, whoever my friends, like who I'm with, I'm always giving as much as I can. So then when it comes time for me to ask them to speak at my event, it's literally, it's a text message. All I say is, Hey, the event is this day. I want you to come speak at this time. Cool. And they go, yep, cool. Like that's, that's literally the entire conversation. Um, and I'll just, I'll add one little funny story about how I got Dan Pena to come speak. So I went to Pena seminar two years ago in Scotland. I, and while I was there, um, he didn't know who I was, right? He didn't know anything about my online brand or anything like that. And I wanted to increase my personal value in his eyes. So I emailed my entire customer list and I said, hey guys, I'm at this Pena seminar. You're going to see me in the audience on his YouTube because he, he literally, if the seminar is on Wednesday, he, he has a clip of it on YouTube by Thursday. And I was like, comment on yesterday's video and just say something about Jason Capital and how grateful you are that Dan Pena is helping Jason or whatever. So I send this email out. And literally like 400 people commented on his YouTube video and they all said basically wow. the exact same thing. So I go to the seminar the next day and Payne is teaching and he stops for a second. And he goes, Hey, who's this Jason capital character? And I was like, that's me. And he started laughing and he was like, you got some fans out there, man. Uh, and then, and then for the rest of the seminar, he like, I don't want to say teacher's pet, but he would pay more attention to me right? Because he could tell I had personal value. What value did I have to offer him? Obviously not money. The, the man's almost a billionaire, right? What I had to offer was an audience. So once he saw I had all these fans and on this audience, then he was like, oh, great. Someone else who can expose my QLA methodology to his audience. And, you know, in the last two years, I think I've sent over 10 or 12 students who each paid 20 something grand to his seminar. So it certainly worked out for him as well. Um, but the way I got Pena was, so I obviously had this relationship with him and I didn't think I could get him to come from Scotland to LA. It just goes to show you limiting beliefs, you know, affect everybody. I didn't think I could get him. So I emailed him and I said, Hey, uh, I had this event coming up. There's gonna be a thousand people there. I would love to do a live uh, zoom call with you to the audience and we'll project your zoom onto the projectors. So it'll be like a hundred foot version of you and you can answer audience questions live there. What do you think? And him and his team emailed me back and they said, Hey, that's a cool idea would you rather have Dan just come speak there in person? And I'm like, um, yeah, that sounds good. Uh, and they're like, okay, great, done. 
like it literally was two emails to, to get him and, and just a couple text messages to everybody else. And it, again, it comes down to one, building your personal value. And then two, when you start to meet people like want nothing, give everything. And then when you need to ask later, the yes will be there. I love that. That makes a lot of sense. It, it's funny. You talk about the limiting beliefs. Um, you actually don't know this because, but when, when me and Wally started this, this podcast journey, um, we, we, we had a vision board and we, we laid out, we're like, look, what can we be consistent with? Can we just make a goal of a hundred episodes? And our hundredth episode was actually the last day of the HSS event. And on the way to HSS, right, we, we were so on pace to hitting our goal and having that belief in our vision. Um, and then I, I was, we're on the podcast. I remember saying out loud, I'm like, dude, I don't know why, but I have a feeling. And I, I went to my vision board, Jason, I kid you not, I wrote this shit down. And I was like, we're going to have Jason Capital on this podcast one day. I was like, I don't know why, but like, I went, I wrote it out before it was just, it was just clear in my mind. I was just like, I was like, I was like, man, he's just, he, he, he's an awesome guy. Like I know he can deliver value. And I kid you not, I went and wrote it down. And then later after, after time, cause it was just so focused and having that limited belief when, when it happened, I was just like, holy crap. Like this, this vision and limited belief thing is, is it makes a difference. Like it really does. And it was just something so new to me that, that blew my mind. Um, you know, ha- have you always had like, is that something that you develop over time or, or why do you think that's so effective? Which part do you, do you mean specifically? You mean creating a vision? Yeah. Yeah. Being the laser focus on having a vision and knowing is what you want to accomplish and, and, and laying that out. Totally. Yeah. I mean, there, there have been points in my life where I've been better at it and there's been points where I've been worse at it. But when you are like, your brain wants you to be incredibly, incredibly clear. It is as Dr. Maxwell Maltz would say, a servo mechanism, meaning it needs a, a target like a missile and it can lock on that target. And then, and then it, it you know, it, it activates the reticular activation system, which now is like a radar going on and everything you're doing and everything you've ever experienced and, and all the people that are coming in and out of your life. And it's just taking all this data and it's constantly asking, how can we use this to get there? Whatever the target we've given ourselves. Right. And your brain starts looking at things differently, things you didn't notice. Now, you notice that are helpful. You know, it, it, it starts to work for you. And I think most people, more than 99 percent for sure, they go through life in a half asleep days. They don't have a goal. They don't have a target. There's no clear picture. They're just kind of waltzing. They're drifting kind of back and forth through life. And uh, the, the few people out there who are willing to make a clear decision about what it is that they want and that's the target and they go after it, they usually end up getting it. And I think a lot of people hesitate to lock on a target, not because they don't believe in themselves. I almost think for a lot of them, it is that if I lock onto this target and this is where I'm going, this is my plan, then all this other shit that appeals to me, I'm not going to be able to do. And I don't want to box myself in. So I'm going to just keep my options open is what they might tell themselves. When in truth, they're just fucking themselves. They're shooting themselves in the foot, right? Like success requires sacrifice. Like I have a lot of things that I would like to do. Like one thing I'd like to do is learn how to make sushi, right? I love sushi. I'd like to learn how to make sushi, but I got some big ass goals and a lot of shit going on. There is no way that I'm going to have time to like learn how to, how to make sushi right now, maybe later, right? That's, that's something I'm just not going to be able to do. Another thing is a podcast, right? I think it's awesome. You guys have a podcast. Me and my team have talked about it a lot, but I simply just don't have the time or the bandwidth to commit to a podcast. So it's not like, yeah, maybe like it kind of hovers and we'll get around to it. It's, it, it can't be that way. It's like, here's the three things we're going to do this quarter. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. And all this other stuff, it's just going in the not now pile and I'm not looking at it. Hmm. Okay. I love that. Three things per quarter. And do you usually go back to your not now pile and then just grab something and then decide, decide if that's the right time? 
Yeah, I'll go back to it. Here's what's funny about it, though, and, and is that when you get around to it and you actually go back, you look at it and you're like, eh, I'm good. Right. And you realize like most of the things we think we want to do, like we don't know. Most people don't know how to prioritize. They don't realize that uh, there's only a few key things that are even going to move the needle and make a difference in your personal life or your career, your professional life. And those are the things we need to be focusing on. Um, so those things that are not now pile, they're typically they're not like big prime movers. They're typically smaller things, even at the time you thought they were bigger things. Right. So I have a giant pile. It's it's in a, a Google Doc where it's just my not now stuff. And uh, it, frankly, most of it could be called my probably never uh, pile, which is which is fine. You know, like I, I don't need to do everything like I'm not going to be Tim Ferriss and do a six week experiment and freaking everything in every area and every endeavor. So I can write a book, but like, that's just not what I want to do. Does that make sense? No, hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, I, so I, for, for those listening in, want to be aspiring entrepreneurs, you know, you, you really talk a lot about, okay, in order to be successful, there, there's really three main skills that you need, right? You say sales, copywriting, and, and becoming an effective speaker. Um, I know I, I train a, a, an outbound sales team right now of over 50 people. One of them actually enrolled into your uh, pre-launch sales guide program, which I know he's really excited for. His name's Tyler Powers. Um, so I, I know you're going to be teaching on that skill a lot, which is awesome because that, that's my realm. I love, I love sales. But um, you know, what, how did you come across the, these three things? Why do you feel like they're the most important? Man, it, it really comes down to – and by the way, outbound sales is awesome. That's, that's like that's warrior type stuff. Uh, I, I've just, I've spent so much time uh, around, I, I've just been fortunate. I've spent so much time around these really successful entrepreneurs, whether they're online marketers, um, whether they're in front of a video or they're behind the scenes, whether they're in offline businesses, like random businesses that you wouldn't even expect, so, like, you know, SaaS businesses, uh, you know, the damn Pena's of the world, people from Agora, the biggest direct response company on the planet, they do 1.5 billion a year. Just, Really, like, I've always made a study of successful people. Even when I'm, like, eating a dinner with them, like, part of my brain is present. And the other part is, like, reverse engineering what they're doing and why they're doing it kind of stuff. And then I take notes after and I, I try and implement. Uh, and, and just going through all of that and over all these years and, and taking all that in, I just I found over and over and over this pattern, right? And this pattern was that they all were really, really good at three things. They were all really, really good at copy. What is copy? Copy is it's your words, right? We say it's the words that get cash. It's the cash word, right? If you say the right words to the right person at the right time, you got them. And if one of those things are off, you don't, right? So um, they're all really good with their words, right? In terms of, especially persuasively. Um, and then speaking, they're all really good storytellers, whether it's a one minute story or a one hour talk, whether they're on video or they're speaking to a small group, they're captivating, they're mesmerizing, their stories are interesting. They know how to hold the tension. They know the tricks to, to get compliance in a room. They know how, you know, they just, they're great speakers. They're great communicators. We know, we all know people who have great ideas on the inside, but they don't know how to communicate them to the people around them. These successful people, they don't have that issue. They have the idea and they know how to express it. And then closing. Right. The closing one is big. Like, like it's that killer. It's me. Closing is that killer instinct. It's, and killer instinct is defined as the ability to finish the job quickly and cleanly. Right. And that's what a closer can do. And if you can't close, well, you're not going to get any money. Right. It's just not going to happen for you. You, you know, like when I obviously I used to be a dating coach and we'd all see these guys out there who looked like they were really good with women because they'd say things and the girls would laugh. So you'd be sitting watching them and be like, God, she must really like him. And then at the end of the night, the guy goes home alone every time you start to realize there's 
flash, we called it flash game, which it looks flashy. It looks like the guy's really, really, you know, good. And he's, you know, he's a closer, so to speak. Uh, but then there's other guys very quiet or, or maybe more self-contained, um, more of a, a quiet confidence or whatever. And then somehow they'd always have a girl with them. They'd always be leaving with the girl. And it's because they had that closures mentality that the other guys didn't. And I just found it, it, it like it, you, you give me anyone. And if we can get them good at copy, closing, speaking, there is almost no business they can't go into and succeed with. No, it, it's very true. And essentially before HSS, I was one of them, you know, the first time I had heard about you was, you know, obviously, you know, Wally here is one of your, uh, your successful students, your, your EIA program uh, has a great reputation. It's absolutely amazing. Um, it's helped, you know, deliver our, our, our business, tons of results. Right. Um, but, you know, I saw your, your ad with the uh, rubber ducky and the hot tub, you know? <laughs> so of course, you know, you know, for, first reaction is like, dude, who the hell is this guy? Like, you know, like next, next. <laughs> and then uh, when we get to HSS, um, a lot of things when it comes to when I'm, when I'm teaching, I'm training on sales, right? It, it, it's crazy. The epiphany I had was the most results I've ever had was when I was just straight up, no bullshit, honest with people. And when we were at HSS, you know, you, you not only hit this topic, but you went in depth on it. You just talked about like, guys, just be honest and be authentic. And I think that's one of the biggest things that helps me relate to you the most is like, you are like a just genuinely authentic person. Right. And I just remember, I was like looking around like, dude, holy shit. Like he's right. Like, like I, I've experienced this, like any time in, in sales, just in closing, just being honest, not bullshitting people. Right. Um, so, you know, what, you know, what, what, what's your, why do you think authenticity is just so powerful and why it works so well when it, when it comes to, 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 to sales in general? Well, dude, you hit the nail on the head. It is so freaking important. Um, and it's, it's also so counterintuitive and hard because uh, anyone who's been trained in sales, right? You're given a script and you're told to say these things and never say these kinds of things. So the minute you get in there, you're instantly being trained to, to not be authentic, right? Mm -hmm. To be someone else. So all of a sudden, if that's, if that's what the authorities are telling you, that's what you're going to believe. And now someone comes along later and is like, no, no, you don't need to do that stuff. You can be incredibly real and authentic, especially at those opportune times strategically. Uh, you'll get sales and it's like, wait, your, your wires get crossed, right? It's, it's kind of, you're kind of confused. Like, do I, do I tell the truth? Do I say what the fucking script told me to say? Like, what do I do here? And what I found, and, and this, this started for me, um, you know, I, I've been online for 11 years now and I've, I've been in a variety of different industries, but there's like three core ones I've been a part of. I started in like the sports training niche uh, as a basketball trainer, which is what I, I played college basketball. Um, and then I went into the dating industry. That was like my obsession for several years. Uh, and now I'm obviously in this personal development, increase your income industry. And in every single industry, I saw this from the beginning, the majority of my competitors just seemed like they were lying to me. Not like lying about everything. It just seems like, like you ever, you ever see someone on a video and you're like this part, like they're just not real. There's something missing there. They're, they're either hiding information from me or they're, they're putting up a front that is clearly not who they really are. There's just something off here. And if we're, if the viewer is sitting there and they're thinking about there's something off about you, or there's just something dishonest about you or something, then they're not taking in your message. Right. And then if they can't take in your message then you're not going to compel them, you're not going to persuade them. So if you are inauthentic, just assume the other person's guard is up. Your message can't get through. But if you are authentic, meaning your guard is down yourself, 
it compels other people to put their guard down as well. And now that there's no guards, your message just waltz right into their brain and, and finds a, a nice place to, to relax and stay there. Right. So the, you know, a big thing in NLP we talk about is the idea of going first, right? If I want someone to uh, share a secret with me, I should share a secret first and that will invite them to share a secret as back. Right. If I want someone to tell a story, I should tell a story first, right? We call it going first. So if I want people to be honest and authentic with me, what do I need to do? I need to be honest and authentic with them. Um, so it's, it's so important. And I, I, I love to even overdo it sometimes just because I know all my competitors are too afraid to do it in this industry. They're just too afraid. They won't do it. They have, I don't know, insecurities or whatever. Like I, I, I'm not gonna say I don't have insecurities, but like, fuck it. Like, fuck it, man. Like just, just, just say it like, who cares? Just fuck it. Life's short. Like, fuck it. Right. And, and by doing that, it, it just got, it builds so much trust with the audience as it should, because you're, you're being real. And I'll just tell you, um, even talking more strategically or tactically with this, I have a new webinar that we, we just, I've only done it once. So I am speaking, you know, I don't have nearly enough data to back all this up, but I've done it once. And this webinar, um, at the start of it. And when it comes to the pitch of the webinar, I share the exact honest, authentic reasons why I've created this webinar and why I'm teaching this program. The program is called IG Agent, right? And it's in Wally, actually, he was there for the live filming of it, which is actually really cool. Uh, but the, the reason I'm, I'm teaching this program is because I I've met a guy recently um, who's probably the most connected guy on Instagram. He advises Dan Bolzerian on Instagram. He advises Gary V on his Instagram. He advises the Kardashians. He even advises Cardi B on her Instagram. Like this guy is super connected, right? And he reached out to me, right? And we got connected with mutual friends. And he loves my message and he wants to help my Instagram grow. I'm like, great, how does it work? And he goes, well, the deal is I give him $25,000 and he gets parts of my content shouted out on dozens and dozens and dozens of massive accounts in like a 48 hour period. So I give him 25 grand and I basically get a flood of pretty targeted traffic to my Instagram page and a lot of them become followers, right? So I've done it a couple of times with him where I give him 25 Gs. And typically we get about 25,000 followers in like two days. Right. So it's like, I'm, so I see this and then we're able to monetize and it makes sense. I'm like, this is, this is like the winner. This is like the winning horse. Let's bet on this. Let's, let's do more of this uh, to grow the account. Cause my goal is I want to hit a million followers by the end of the year. So the, the truth is, yes, I could keep doing it with him, but I don't want to keep paying him 25 grand. I would much rather my audience pay 25 grand. I'd rather my audience pay for it. Right. So in the webinar, I say, I tell you the story. I tell them the story I just told you. And I tell them, um, that's why I'm teaching this program, right? The, the program is IG agent. We make six figures a month on Instagram. No one knows how exactly how we do it because in every social media course, they talk about the feed. They talk about Instagram ads. We do it all in the DM, right? We have a, we have a way of going about in the direct message where we just close deal after deal after deal. And it's, it's our system. I don't want to teach it, but I'm going to teach it because I know it's fucking irresistible. Um, and frankly, I just, I'll sell for 2,500 bucks a piece. I'll get 10 people to buy it. And then I get 25 grand and I take that 25 grand and I go right to my guy in Hollywood and we do a shout out and I get 10 more people, another shout. I'm just going to keep arbitraging this until I hit a million followers. And, and at that point, then I'll stop teaching the program. Right. And that is the honest to God truth. Like you, like you can't be more transparent with your own self-interest than that. Right. Mm -hmm. And on this webinar, as I tell the story, we had the highest conversion rate on a webinar we have ever had in the history of all of my companies. I've been, you know, I've done well over a hundred, probably hundred, 150 live webinars in my life. Um, the very first time, as you know, with webinars, they get optimized as you go. It usually takes 50 versions of it before you find the winner. And I'm going to keep optimizing this bitch, but 
I mean, off, off the bat, it was the highest converting webinar I've ever had in my entire life. And there's a lot of things that go into it. But if someone's listening right now and they're like, how do I use this, this authenticity thing? How do I do it? Just one of the best ways to think about it is how can you be transparent in your self-interest? Because everyone knows, like, let's take, let's take the, like, like, one of the most, if not the most infamous or famous or well-known online marketers say would be Ty Lopez, right? Everyone knows Ty, right? When Ty is selling you something, even let's say it's on a webinar, part of you knows that like, like, you know, he's selling you this thing because he wants to make money. Do like, would you agree with that? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. There's no question. Right. Yeah. He wants to make money. That's why he's selling it. But he doesn't say that. He says he wants to, I don't know, he's trying to help this many people or he's trying to reach this many people or he's trying to get the word out on this. And I, that might all be true, but the viewer is not stupid. The viewer knows you want money also. And how hard is it for you to say, I want to help people and reach people, but at the same time, yeah, you know, I got a trip to Australia later this summer that I'm really looking forward to. And frankly, I want to go a little bit ballistic with my spending out there. I just want to buy a bunch of dumb shit. And I'm going to take the profits from the sale today. And I'm honestly, I'm just going to spend it on dumb shit. I'm going to have a good time. Um, so I'm going to help people and I'll get to enjoy myself in Australia even more. That's why I'm doing it. And like literally just by saying that you build a way more trust with your audience. Now you probably feel better about yourself because you're actually being honest with your audience for the first time. And then everyone can, everyone just like unclenches and relaxes because they're like, good. Like no one, like no viewer is watching your sales video or listening to your sales pitch thinking that you are doing this just because you're like mother Teresa, like no one thinks that they know you're getting something out of it. And if you're getting something out of it, be transparent in your self-interest, just tell them up front what you get out of it. That, that one little thing will go, it will, it will give you miles of, uh, of leverage when it comes to persuading. That's uh, true. Me, me, Wally, I've tested this actually uh, a couple of times. Uh, I, I, I told him, I'm like, oh my gosh, like full transparency selling on webinars, like works. just telling them up front. Oh, by the way, at the end, I'm going to be, you know, offering yes. my X, Y, Z. And, and it's just fluid. Like you just get it out of the way. It's interesting that you, you pointed that out. Um, so w- one of the things too, I, I'm glad you brought up, um, you know, talking about the multiple products and everything. And first of all, I registered for your IG thing this Friday because dude, your email copy is fucking amazing. <laughs> Like, I just want to, I just want to throw that out there. Like I saw it this morning. I told why I'm like, dude, this fucking guy's copy is like legendary. Like I, like I have to register. For it. Right. <laughs> so he was laughing. He's like, yeah, man, he's really good. Um, but that's the man. Yeah, definitely. One of the things that, that I, and I admit I've, I've fallen for this trap and I think a lot of people listening in has, has to, and it's one thing, I don't remember who brought it up at HSS, but they're talking about being a influencer whore, right? Yeah, following multiple people and then and hearing these conflicting these conflicting things. So and, I, and I've always been curious, especially with somebody at your level, like I want to give you just kind of two extreme scenarios and just kind of get your, your take on and what what you think. Right. Because, you know, here here you are, you have you have multiple products, you have multiple successful you know, webinars, successful businesses. Right. You're you're on social media. And on the opposite side, you know, you have other influencers who are saying stuff like, hey, I don't use social media. I don't speak at events. I don't do podcasts. I have one business. I have one funnel, right? One webinar. And I'm just so focused and lasered that that's why I beat other people because I don't get distracted by social media and all that. So, you know, two complete opposite sides. And, and for people that, that are in the influencer horror realm, right? You know, what, what's your take on like what, what, what's right, what's not, or what have you found to be the best way to kind of have that balance? Great question. Uh, and I, th- I think you're exactly right. This is something a lot of people 
deal with or struggle with or confuse with. I want to I want to recognize my very good friend Sharon Srivatsa, who spoke at HSS, and he was the one who said influencer whore. He's amazing, isn't he? I love yeah. I love Sharon. Yeah, yeah he is. Awesome. Uh, yeah, he's he's unbelievable. I it's funny you say this. I I advise him on his social media, and he actually advises me on my real estate investing. So we have a nice little back and forth there. Um, so to, to answer your question, social media to me is just a distribution channel. That's all that it is. I don't like, and and I understand that I'm in a slightly different boat, and I also understand the like the conflict, right? Because it, what I'm about to say is not good for my business. Because my advice to entrepreneurs is to not consume content on social media. It's just to distribute content on social media, right? And my conflict, of course, is if I tell people not to consume content on social media, they're not consuming my own content, right, on social media. So, but but the truth is, uh, yeah, I, I go on social media, we distribute our content on social media, our marketing, our videos, our lessons, our whatever it is, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna distribute that stuff on Instagram, we're gonna distribute it on YouTube, et cetera. That is the extent of my interaction with social media. I don't go on it, I don't scroll, um, in the DM, I used to respond to messages. I don't anymore. We have my team members, obviously my IG agents who do that for me. Um, when I record my stories for Instagram, I record them on my phone. They get uploaded to a Wistia folder. My social media team, uh, Spencer, who runs my social media, he, he grabs it, he uploads, he does everything, right? So my interaction with social media is almost, it's almost zero. Um, and it has to be that way because God damn, it's fucking addictive. Right. God damn it. It's fucking addictive. And I, and I know if I even, if I even start scrolling on that feed and Instagram for a minute or even Facebook, I like I'm locked in, right. I'm scrolling. I found myself, I'm scrolling for no reason. You know, I'm in the bathroom number two and I'm wasting an extra 10 minutes in there because I'm just scrolling aimlessly going nowhere. Right. Like, so I don't do any of that when it comes to social media. And like, and the other thing though, is I am, I am in a, a lifelong student. I've been that way most of my life. And I've been studying copy closing or speaking every day since I was 20 years old, at least 60 minutes a day. I, I set time aside and I just study. Right. So I've been doing this a long time. I've taken a lot of information. I'm always learning, but I've taken it a lot. I don't expect to learn new things from someone's 60 second Instagram video. It's just, it's just not going to happen, especially anything useful. Right. And if I need an important reminder, I'm not going to go on Instagram to get it. I'm going to go to my hundreds of pages of personal notes that I've compiled over the years. Right. So I just don't, I'm not going to get value from it. If you're brand new or you're just starting, you know, maybe you like, like what my way of using social media is not going to be applicable for, for the 22 year old out there who's been on social media since they were 15 and is just finishing college and they don't know anything about entrepreneurship. Social media might be a good place for them to start. Right. It might be necessary to get them just, just to get them motivated, right. To get them inspired, but to show them what's possible for them. So maybe they, they get on a webinar and, and ideally they, they take a course and they study it and they implement what they learn. Right. So, you know, I think at different phases of someone's growth and evolution as an entrepreneur, their interaction with social media is going to be different. But for me, it is literally just, uh, it's just another distribution channel. And I think, uh, I think it has to be that way. Uh, a buddy of mine, he's, he's saying last year a lot that when it comes to social media, either, uh, you can use social media for your own purposes or it will be used on you. There is no in between. Right. And then the other thing I just want to point out for everyone here is there is a, uh, a, a term that researchers call attention residue. And what it means is if you're working on your laptop and then you check your phone for a second, maybe you get a text that you check uh, or something, something else like that. And then you go back to your laptop, part of your attention, it's like, there's like a residue left on your phone screen. 
right? So before you had 100% attention on your laptop, now you got 86% attention on your laptop and you have 14% that's still hovering on your screen for the next 10 minutes. So it's like even checking for So really, you got to be so, so careful about that. Hmm. That makes a lot of sense. So is there ever a point, you know, obviously you, know, you spend money in, ad- in advertising, you know, do you ever look at your multiple, your multiple products and services and ever think, you know, like, you know, you know, shit, should I take all this money and, and diversify it in my, my products to keep them going or go all in on one product and, and really, you know, does it ever cross your mind thinking like, shit, if I just go on on the one thing that's the winner, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to jump to a new level. Like, how do you, how do you kind of deal with that conflict? Got you. Well, you know, it's, there's, there's a few people I know out there who have had one product and have done really, really well. There's also thousands of people I know who have tried to do it with one product and have failed. Mm-hmm. Right. On the other side, there are hundreds of entrepreneurs I know who have succeeded with a variety of products um, and, and less that have failed with a variety of products. Your chances of success are just so much higher with a lot of products. I, I'm a big believer in the Agora model, right? Agora did $1.5 billion last year in 2018, right? Like that's, that's unbelievable. By the way, they have, they have like 40% profit margins. So just, you can just do the math in your head how much money like that is. And that's a direct response online marketing company. And they release. So in, in 2017, I don't know, 18, in 2017, they released 152 different products, wow. right? 152. That's, that's 152 funnels, VSLs, copy, upsells, integration, product access, you know, follow-up emails, ascension sequences, like everything, 152. And that's one every two and a half days. So I know that there are some marketers out there who are running ads right now saying you just got to focus on one. I see Sam Ovens running ads like that where he's got the, the, I don't have chat bots. I don't have funnels. I don't have any of this stuff. Right. And I make all this money and it's great if it works for him. Right. But you ought to also think about, I always ask myself, what is this person's incentive? What do they have to gain by this being true? And what does Sam have to gain by it being true? Well, uh, it's a very crowded marketplace. There's a lot of people out there who are selling funnels and perfect webinars and chat bots and all this different stuff. So it's a nice position to take in the marketplace where you're positioning yourself against what everyone else is doing. He's zagging when everyone else is zigging. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and I saw the ad, right. And I saw that one. And what's funny about it is it leads to a funnel, right? The ad says you don't need funnels and it leads to a funnel. So mm-hmm. that's why like, like you really got to watch, watch what people are doing, not what they're saying. Um, and, and really at the end of the day, dude, it's all, it's all fucking marketing. At yeah. the end, it's all fucking marketing. Um, and, and, it's, it's sad in a way because he's just going to confuse more people. Um, but it, it probably also worked for him too, because you know, a lot of people out there who uh, they've tried funnels and they tried webinars and they tried chatbots and it didn't work for them. And they're just, they're just like hopeless. And this guy comes around and he's like, you don't need any of that shit. You just need one thing. Like how much easier does it sound to you? So it's, oh no, just, just one thing. That's all you need. Like that's the dream in marketing. Like that is, the, that is the dream pitch and copy. If you can just tell him like, dude, it's just one thing you need to learn. Just one thing you need to do. Um, and, and that's kind of what he's doing there. Yeah. I think what's interesting about that is that, that I love hearing, especially from you is, is even at the level of success you're having, you know, you're, you're still not only becoming a student, but you're still always like learning and figuring shit out yourself. Like, you know, even at your level, it's like, I don't, I don't have all the answers. I'm still running into conflict and shit that I have to overcome and, and, and figure out right on a daily basis. So, 
um, being at the level I'm at, it, it's just really cool to, to see that side and realize like, okay, fuck, this is normal. It's just, Dude, it's, it's totally normal. I have every day. There are, I want to call them problems. They're challenges, right? Mm-hmm. I, I just, I mean, they're just, they're just challenges that come up and, and, uh, yeah, I mean, every single day there's, there's little fires that have to be put out, things we have to figure out. Oh, shit. Why? Like, I have an ad on Facebook that it runs for a day and it makes like 20 to 1 and I get all excited and then they shut it down. And then I tweak the ad and I put it in there again and it makes me a bunch of money and they shut it down. And I'm like, fucking Facebook, dude. Like, you know, and that's one, and that's one of 87 things that we deal with, right? And, and it's normal, right? And that's not going to go away. Like, your problems don't go away. They just become more elegant as you go forward. They just become... You know, from second world problems to first world problems to, you know, whatever the next problem is going to be. But they never go away. And, and uh, you know, we're going to take a weird turn here. But like David Data, who's one of the best uh, kind of relationship teachers, I think, of all time. He's got an amazing book called The Way of the Superior Man that every guy should read if they haven't. But he talks about how, like, you need to stop hoping for completion in anything in your life. Right. And most people think that once like they think once I finally make this money, I get that promotion, I do this thing, then I can relax, then everything will be happy, my relationship will be great, then uh, I won't have any more problems, and it's a myth, it's a fallacy, it's a fantasy, it's not real, right? Even when you get there, you get that promotion, uh, well, now you have a bunch of people who want to take your job, right? So your problems aren't going away, right? Once you make that much money, you think everything's good. No, now you got to pay more taxes, unless you move to Puerto Rico, right? So (laughs) (laughs) there's there's always going to be problems. It's just, it's, it's part of the game. Right. Yeah. I love that. Okay. And, and let's take the, the opposite end of, of knowledge versus action, right? You have the, the Gary V's of the world who's like, you know, fuck books, fuck knowledge, just action, action, action. And then <laughs> the other side you have like, okay, that's cool. But if true North is this way and you're just taking action, you're going fucking over here, then you're, you're not going to where you want to go. Right. Um, so if you were to start something brand new, right. Outside of your, your industry, you had to figure something out. How do, you, how do you find that balance of, of, okay, before I go and take action, like how much research do I have to do? What do I have to know to really, before just kind of taking off to, to get you and guide you in that right direction? Well, for me, it's a little bit different, right? Because I, I have a lot of experience with this. So like, I would, I would know exactly where I would go and how I would start and how I would make it work. Um, like, for me, what I would, I'll just tell you what I would do immediately. If, if the goal wasn't like, like impact and contribution is a huge need for me. It's, it's really, really important to me and my mission, right? Uh, if it wasn't, if the goal was just, let's just make some money here, I would go into supplements immediately and I would just, I would run free trial offers and I have really good customer service and a really good kind of phone support team. And I would just run free trials on traffic like all day long, right? And, I, and I'd scale that thing to like 250 to 500 orders a day, um, you know, and then I would just start doing other stuff. Like, and that's literally, that's what I would do, right? Because I, I know so many people in that industry who, aren't that smart and they just crush it right? people. You never, you never know about online. They don't, they're not gurus or anything, but just, just I'm sitting there at dinner with them and I'm like writing note after note in my phone based on what they're telling me about what they've learned. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I would do. If I was brand new and I was just starting and you're trying to find that balance between knowledge and action. I, I mean, the, the, like I, I always tell guys, you got to follow like the eight to one rule is kind of what I do, which means for every one hour of study, you take eight hours of action. And it's a nice balance between the two. Um, and the other thing is with, when it comes to, to like research and stuff, uh, the best research you're going to get is going to come from market feedback, 
right? So like, let's say you have a product idea. Like I can't tell many people I know who have product ideas. They spend six months building out this product that they're in love with and they think is great. And then they launch it and then no one buys it, right? And it's like, well, fuck, you just wasted six months. You could have set up a, a funnel on ClickFunnels and a few Facebook ads in a day and just put up a MVP, a minimum viable product on that thing and gotten feedback within 24 hours. And the marketplace would have let you know do they think this product is good or not? And then you would have decided, do I want to spend the time building this thing or is it a bad idea? And I just go to the next one. With Agora, what they do, like the reason they put out 152 products in a year is because they're testing. They know out of those 152, less than 10 are going to be winners, but that's okay because those 10 winners are going to make, like those 10 winners are going to be like nine figure products each. So they're going through 152 products just to see if the marketplace bites, if it grabs their attention, if people want to buy it or not. That's their form of research. So uh, the other thing I'll just say is if someone's brand new to this game, like they need to, they need to pick one business model that they're going to follow, right? Like, like obviously today what I do is I help people a lot for the most part replace rat race income with laptop income. And if you're going from rat race income to laptop income, you need to pick one vehicle that fits with your strengths and your time, whether it's Shopify and Ecamm, or it's, you know, starting a consulting business or a social media agency, or you want to do something smarter and become an IG agent, um, or, you know, or whatever it's going to be like, you have to pick one plan and then, and then don't be an influencer whore, right? Mm -hmm. Focus on the person you're learning from that plan. Like listen to everything that they say over and over and over and implement, implement, implement what they teach you. I had a, a girl in my EIE, um, that, that Wally was in, Wally knows her, Sandra, and she's yep. 51 years old. And Sandra, uh, yeah, so it's an amazing story. Sandra, 51 years old, she'd worked a corporate job for over 20 years. Good life, good house, paid off, drive a BMW. Her son's in a good school. Like, like life is on the outside, and it's, it's good, but inside she is uh, just, just uh, feels like the universe being ripped apart because she feels like she's 51 now and she hasn't really lived, right? I think a lot of people feel like that. And one day she goes to drop her son off at school. He gets out of the car, walks 10 feet, turns around, comes back, says, mom, she goes, what? He goes, you need to start having some more fun in your life. You're not happy. And then he just runs away to school, right? And that's like a really, you know, this kid's a fucking good copywriter, right? Like she hit it right where it hurts. And she, that's when she went online and she found EIE and she, she took the training. Um, and within the first six weeks, she was making $20,000 with her niche, right? And during that time, everyone in the group, everyone else in the the group was trying really hard, but maybe they're not taking the action they need to. They're like, how did you do it, Sandra? What, how are you making 20 grand a month already? Like, how are you doing this? And she says, I just listened and re-listened to Jason's classes like multiple times. Like she would listen to what I said three or four or five times of each of the class, each of the, the instruction, the, the sessions that I, I give to everyone in the program, right? And that's it, right? She says, you just listen to it over and over until you, like it just, it becomes second nature to you. And then when I'm closing clients or I'm going after deals or whatever, the, like I hear Jason's words in my head and I just say them and I, the person says yes and it works. Right. So it's like when you pick your vehicle, study the shit out of it. Like, and like, I don't know, like there's so many people out there selling courses right now and there's so many courses and so many gurus out there. Like, I think people have guru overload right now. I, and it's just like, I can't imagine if you're actually serious about this, like replacing your current income with laptop income and you invest in a course what the fuck else are you doing besides studying this course and doing exactly what it says? You shouldn't be doing anything else. You shouldn't be going to the movies. You shouldn't be on Instagram. You shouldn't be watching, you know, Netflix. You shouldn't, you shouldn't even know that there was a new game of Thrones. You shouldn't know any of this stuff. 
all you should know is what this guru is telling you, what the course says, and then you should be implementing. Mm. And you should be doing that until you've completely replaced your current income with, with this new form of income where you're your own boss. And then you can start, you know, you can take your head off from tunnel vision and start looking around and seeing what your next move is. But until then, you shouldn't be doing anything else. And I think way too many people buying these courses and investing in this stuff and they, they just dabble. They, they half-ass it. You're, you're, you want extraordinary results. It takes extraordinary effort, period. Hmm. True. Yep. I have to agree with that because because uh, even like guys reach out to me from the course too and they're like, hey man, what, what did you do? And I was like, I literally, did we take the same class? That's, I've asked that question many times. <laughs> I've, said it, I've said it to people. You can ask them. They'll tell you. <laughs> so I totally understand that. I get that 100%. So yeah, it, like Wally, like you, for instance, you, you took the course and you, you studied it. Exactly. You probably watched the sessions multiple times and then you, you just did what it said, right? Like, and, and it's funny, like you're saying, people look at you like you're a God when all you did was you just followed, you followed the plan. That was it. So yeah. We took the same course, right? Like, let's like, yeah. you know what I mean? We're not <laughs> That's what I always say. But, uh, but I, I have one really burning question. I think it'd be really valuable it's, oh, for me in my case, but um, especially for anybody that's listening, like that is an aspiring entrepreneur, right? And uh, so in part of your story, you talk about how, you know, you were successful, you went online, you moved to California, and then you had to move back to your mom's basement, right? And then it's from your mom's basement that you really took, took your journey and you, 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 know, you escaped your income, made a million bucks, that kind of stuff, right? And so when you were in your basement, this is my burning question, is what, what was it? You, you just said that you just, that you just sat there and figured it out. Like, what is it that you figured out in your basement that allowed you to take to escape that spot and, and you know, you know, kind of where you are now. You know what I mean? Yep. Totally. So yeah, I mean, by the way, Paul, it's really good copy when you're just like, yeah, I figured it out. Right. And then everyone's like, fuck, what did you exactly. figure out? You're like, I, and, you, and then you're like, well, I'll tell you in the course by now. Right. I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So there's a couple things I quote unquote figured out while I was in there. Uh, number one was why did my business fail in the first place? Right. And, uh, you know, you can use, I, you know, I smoked a lot of weed when I was in California. You can say that was part of it, but the underlying symptom, the other, the underlying cause of that symptom, um, was, was what I would call a lack of Kaizen in my life. Like I, my, my basketball business, that was the one I had when I was in California. It did well at first because when I started it, I was playing basketball five or six hours a day still. I was training, I was still training other players. I was training myself. I was playing pickup games. I was watching NBA games. I was watching game footage. I was like Kaizening. It was my craft. It was my magnificent obsession, right? And so when I went to create sales copy, I understood what the players were thinking on such a deep level because I was talking to them every day. When I came to time to create videos, my content was so good because I was literally just teaching it in real life an hour ago to, a, to three college basketball players, right? So I was constantly Kaizening. And then I started making money and I started partying instead of practicing, right? And I started hanging out with the wrong people and uh, I stopped playing basketball altogether. And pretty soon, the emails I would write, the copy I would write, the videos I would create, all the marketing stuff, all the coaching stuff, it was based on what I was doing a year ago or a year and a half ago versus what I did this afternoon. And the audience, they're not stupid. They know. They know who's legit and who's not. They know who's the real deal and who's not. And they... You, you, you just tell the numbers just went down, right? I wasn't speaking their language anymore because I wasn't a part of their tribe anymore. So I realized that when I was in that basement, whatever business I go into next, whatever I do next, I have to remain on the ground floor, fully involved with 
what is life like and what is that industry like? What is that thing like for my avatar, for my prospect? I, I can never get too big for them, too cool for them, never, right? So from my mom's basement, I started my dating business and part of the reason it worked so well was two is one, I was living it. I was doing it every single day. And if you go back and read some of the, the copy and emails from back then, I was pushing the edges for sure in that, in that world. I, but I was living it. I was going out like six nights a week and you know, girls were coming in and out and I was living that life to the fullest so that I could then distill the lessons I was learning and everything on a very recent basis to my audience. Like I was, you know what I mean? Does that make sense so far? No, it totally makes sense. No, okay. You're right. Because yep. you know, I had a similar experience because I had, I had a business that failed. And that was kind of, anyway, that, that's a whole total side tangent. But that's kind of that's ringing true for me right now, especially what yep. I was doing. Yep. So, yeah. So, that's, yeah. So, that was one. And, and then even in the dating business, so not only am I living it, but I started, and this, I started this in my mom's basement, this practice, and I still continue with today, which is where I, the first 60 minutes of the day, I just study my you know, I, I study or I work on the one skill that I think that if I get so good at this will matter uh, in terms of my success. So like back then it was my game, right? Like in dating, we call it your game, like your pickup skills, right? It was my game. So I would study game every, every morning for an hour, whether it was reading other people's books and courses, going through old books, reading psychology books, reading, I. Uh, you know, evolutionary psychology books, or even, even sometimes like going on YouTube and watching specific characters that I thought had very, very attractive masculine traits and then modeling them myself, right? It was just a constant study every morning. Now I believe that one skill that if I get so good at it, it'll make everything else obsolete, um, is, is my ability on video, right? Whether it's to coach or to sell or to inspire or whatever, just that ability on video, just on an iPhone, that is the skill. So the first 60 minutes of every day, I'm studying like it's, you know, very persuasion, persuasion stuff or sales stuff or copy stuff or speaking stuff or other people's videos. And I'm studying what they're doing in their language patterns and the frames that they're setting up and, and all these, basically all that stuff. I do it every single day, even on Sundays. Um, and that, I, I just feel like that gives me just a huge edge in the short term. And then an unfair edge in the long term. So that's, that's one of the things I figured out when I was down there. The other one was that my basketball business did not have a converting offer. It had a lot of offers that sort of converted, but it didn't have one flagship converting offer that acquired customers for me profitably. Right. So for me, I, that, that was like when I started the dating business, that was the first thing I was like before anything else, I have to have one front end converting offer that will bring customers in that I know affiliates can mail for that I can drive traffic to that will allow me to profitably acquire customers on a consistent basis. Otherwise the business will die. Right. And then when I went from dating to personal development, I did the converting offer again. It was my book, higher status. It was that free free plus shipping offer. Mm -hmm. uh, and now we have a, 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 a new program that I do on the front end, which is, I think it's amazing. I think it's the best value on the internet today on my weekly high income skills training program, where it's a free trial. It's on the front end. It's only 10 bucks a month after that. And I'm coaching and mentoring people for an entire hour live every single Friday. Um, so like those are two things is Kaizen, like true, a true deep commitment to Kaizen. And then the second one is making sure that the business has a front end converting offer that will always bring new blood and new customers into the business every day. Cause that is, that is truly like the lifeblood of the business is that front end without that, everything else mm -hmm. tends to wane or fall apart.
Gotcha. No, that totally makes sense. And so the, the reason I even asked that, you know, curiosity, because, you know, me and Dylan have a, have an infrastructure that we're building also. It's based on sales. I kind of, it's, it's a whole different thing. Based on, basically the formula for, for money, right, is leads plus closing. So we kind of have the same, uh, some similar alignment on ma- messaging, but way different in the, in the audience that we're going to. And that's kind of the thing that we're, that we're at too. It's like, hey, you know, how do we take, you know, what we have right now and, and basically make a good front end offer? So I, I'm really, I really appreciate that you said that because that makes total sense. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, I mean, if that's where you guys are at, then the first step is figuring out what is that front end offer that's going to convert. And the other thing that I would really strongly suggest is don't make that mistake that other entrepreneurs make where they spend all their time thinking about what is this right front end offer. And then they, they're like, oh, I got it. Eureka. And then they go and they build it. No, like come up with like 20 front ends that you think might work and then test all of them simultaneously and let the marketplace tell you which one is going to be your front end offer. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I, I listened to uh, Joel Marion when he was just on MF, uh, MF CEO podcast. And uh, he talked about that, how he uses massive email lists and split test multiple headlines before naming his product. And I was like, fuck man, that is so smart. I never thought about that. Um, just, yep. yeah, yep. absolutely we, crazy. We do that. We do that with, with almost all of our ads. Um, so I let the ads tell me what subject lines I should use. I let the subject lines tell me what my ads should be. I let subject lines tell me what my copy headlines should be. I wrote a book called fuck jobs because uh, we tested 20 different subject lines and it was literally 20 variations of fuck something, fuck your parents, fuck jobs, fuck bosses, fuck desks, fuck nine to five and fuck jobs one. And that became the title of the book. Um, another small thing Joel does, I'll just, I'll just add in here, which I think is brilliant. I got from him is when he sends out an email broadcast, cause he's sending out, you know, so 500,000 or a million people each time he hits send but he will split test a lot of subject lines, but he'll only, he'll send the split test to like 10 to 20% of his email list and he'll watch the open rates over four to six hours. And then he'll let the split test, the, the subject line that actually has the highest open rate in those four to six hours. He'll use that as the subject line to then mail the rest of his list. So every email he's really sending to the majority of the list is guaranteed to get really high engagement. Wow. If, if you are listening in right now, and if that tip alone did not put you at half chub, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, that was a huge knowledge boner moment right there. Like, holy shit, that's so smart. Wow, yeah, so smart. He's a, he's a smart guy, man. Yeah, yeah. And, and in terms of, of Jason Capital's book for everyone listening, um, for higher status, get it on audio. I mean, my Lord, the, your, your storytelling abilities, bro, like it's, it's just so, it's so engaging way better than, than just reading the book, like a hundred percent. So I thank definitely, you. thank you, man. I appreciate speaking. that. Yeah. I got, I got to give you an insane credit for that. Um, so it, I, I can honestly say if there's anyone to ever learn when it comes to speaking, like you're, you're by far the go-to guy and you're in terms of speaking, your MC at your event, dude, holy shit. Like that has got to be one of the top MCs I have ever seen in my entire life. Like he was so good. Um, he was, and, he was amazing. Yeah. He's, yeah. he does, uh, Devon Brown is his name, but he wants to check him out. He, if that's familiar to any marketers out there, he is the MC also for Russell's event, the QuickFunnels event every year as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Awesome. Great guy. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and man, you know, we want to make sure that we, we respect your time, everything as well. Um, and just want to say, you know, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time to, to, to show up um, and for adding value here to our audience. And um, I guess, it, it, and just in closing, if there was just one, one final question, it would be, I know 
you talk a lot about regrets of in, investing into real estate and, and, and you want to get into that field now, right? Um, is that because, because I know a lot of entrepreneurs I speak to, maybe they're afraid to get into courses. They're afraid to get into starting a business because of the whole economy collapse. Um, you know, what, what would you say to entrepreneurs right now who, who are expecting the next economy, you know, to go down, but they're afraid of getting started because of, of the outcome of not being able to sell? What would you say to those people? You know, during the last uh, economic collapse, the housing crisis in 2008 and everything, the majority of online businesses and people selling stuff, uh, it was fine, right? The only people who get affected by those, those, those crises or whatever you want to call it are the people who are just okay at selling, not the people who are great at selling. The people who are great at selling will succeed in any economic condition. It won't matter. The ones who, uh, frankly, don't listen to their prospects, don't understand the, pro the, the prospects' true needs and what they really want, those are the ones who are going to, they're the ones who are going to suffer. Um, and the other thing is, of course, if, if someone is literally avoiding buying a course for getting started with the business because they think that maybe one day soon there's going to be some big collapse, you are completely operating out of fear. Um, and frankly, if it wasn't an economic collapse that you were, you were projecting as the reason for your fear, it would be just some other bullshit, right? It's not about the collapse. It's not like, like yeah, there's going to be a collapse. And guess what happens after the collapse? The economy comes back. Right. And, and, it, and everything gets great again. Like that, that's, that's the nature of how these things work. So are you telling me that like, like you're ways you can get started, right? Getting started is, is like, that's the whole, right. And then uh, Woody Allen, he said that half of success, 50% of success is literally just showing up. Like it's just about getting started. So, um, I mean, like for me in real estate, that is like literally it, the, the economic crisis that could be coming or cannot be coming. One, I have no idea. There's a guy who lives down the, down literally next door to me. Um, he runs a blog called Sovereign Men, and his whole thing is about predicting these crises. And he doesn't know, right? Like, like no one can predict this stuff. No one knows. Um, but like my decision to get into real estate has nothing to do with that frankly, I'm 30 years old now and I'm not trying to spend all my money on bottle service and private jets anymore. I'd rather be frugal and smart. And I want to like my, like I made a decision this year where I want to build like legitimate wealth, right? When I got here where I live in Puerto Rico, I'm in a very private community. It's very expensive to live here. There's a high barrier to entry to live here. And I was talking to, so like, like I have a concierge service here with my condo. I'm talking to the head concierge and he's telling me about some of the people that live here. And he said, here's what we say here, right? For a lot of people that live here, they're rich. And then there's a few, they're not rich. They have a fortune and there's a big difference between the two. And he said that, I was like, fuck, I'm one of those rich guys. I don't have fortune, right? I don't have that fortune. Um, but I want that. I want to build generational wealth. I want to, I want to hit a billion dollars, not for ego, not for what it can get me. Frankly, I'll still be wearing flip flops and, and a tank top when I'm a billionaire, but I just, it, it's a game. I want to play it. I want to win it. I want to see how big I can go. And frankly, real estate is just a no brainer, part of the path and the plan to get there. Um, almost every single billionaire on the entire list, I think there's over 750 of them in the world now, uh, they're all involved in real estate, right? And that's, that's not by accident. Hmm. I love it. So yeah, for everyone listening, guys, definitely, I mean, where can people find your, um, your weekly training for only $10 a month? I mean, that's honestly, that's a no brainer. It's thank you. Yeah. Uh, so they need to go to jcweekly.com. Just jcweekly.com. 
if you're listening right now and you're typing this in on your phone or somewhere, I love you and I look forward to seeing you in the class. But jcweekly.com is where it's at. Awesome. Yeah, guys, definitely check out his book, Higher Status. Um, and, and as always, guys, for the competition, we're having this month to be selected for a hot seat. If you loved this episode, guys, go on Instagram stories, do a screenshot or do a video review, tag me and Wally on Instagram, use the hashtag knowledge boner, and we're going to be selecting the one winner for the hot seat opportunity this month in the Leeds Closing Sales Facebook group. Go to jcweekly.com. You will not be sorry. Get cheap mentorship from this legend that we have here today for only $10 a month. That, that, that's amazing and fantastic. And uh, Jason, thank you so much for taking the time today. And, and you know, we're so happy to have you, man. Yeah, hey, man. It was great chatting with you as well. Really, really fun time being on your show. And Wally, uh, glad to be here for you as well. Absolutely. Um, Appreciate yeah, it. Guys, this is awesome.